So happy morning. With Jacob, I greet you. Um, welcome to Heart City Church. Any of you joining us online? We're uh, nearing the conclusion of Luke's Gospel, which is something of a personal triumph for me. Uh, actually, less so for Jacob, who's laughing, who I think put the over-under at like 70 sermons back in 2020. <laughs> I do plan to wrap up Luke's Gospel next time. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We're going to be looking at verses 33 to 49. We're entering a scene, a celebration scene, happening in a Jerusalem home. What's the celebration about? The Eucatastrophe. Eucatastrophe. What, Joel? The Eucatastrophe. That's a real word, friends. I have not made that up. The Eucatastrophe is actually a reversal of catastrophe, a turning of events where all seems lost. Think of when the Death Star gets blown up with Luke Skywalker. Think of... Someone falling into a pit of fire, Gollum, with the ring. It's when horrible doom becomes happy deliverance. And specifically here, when the crucified Christ of Luke 23 becomes the living Lord of Luke 24. Friends, Jesus' resurrection is the reversal of human history. And we saw last week, this eucatastrophe was revealed to two disciples at Emmaus, when a stranger broke the bread and their eyes were opened to see it was Jesus, risen from the dead. And with joy in their hearts, these two hustled back to Jerusalem to tell the rest in the closing hours of that Easter Sunday, that first Easter Sunday, the good news. We could actually, I think, call this gathering the first ever Christian worship service. And here we are. A group of people gathered together on a Sunday to worship the risen Lord Jesus. So let me ask you, what is the most important thing that could happen today? What should excite us most as we gather here today? It's actually not a song, maybe a Christmas song that stirred our heart up, as encouraging as that song might be. It's also not that we would have a lot of people show up, though we all want that. It's not even a good sermon to motivate you as much as you and I would both like that. The most important thing, friends, what matters most this morning is that Jesus show up, that the risen Lord Jesus show up here and make himself known in our midst. In fact, it isn't Christian worship if Jesus doesn't show up here. So with sincere hearts, before we read our text, let's first welcome Jesus into this room with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, every one of us comes to you we come like those Greeks saying, we wish to see Jesus. Our need is so great and our time is so short. Will you send the spirit of your son to refresh our hearts, to know your grace so that we might actually leave here being springs of life for others. And if perchance there is a soul here who is still walking in darkness, I ask and pray, we ask and pray that you will grant that today will be the day they see that great light. We ask this in the name of our risen Lord Jesus. Amen. Now hear the word of our God from Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 33. And they rose that same hour, the two from Emmaus, and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you.
to you. But they were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself? Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. In this first ever Sunday worship service, Jesus shows up to encourage his disciples and to open up the word. And the service ends with Jesus' call for them to be his witnesses. Jesus' final words in Luke, actually, is a transfer of the kingdom mission to this group, which I find quite remarkable in light of their response to his resurrection here. <laughs> Did you notice the emotional roller coaster they're on? I mean, they went from sad to glad in Emmaus and from cheer now to fear in Jerusalem. So Jesus asks, why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? And after proving he's really there, then we read, they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. Does it surprise you that Jesus entrusts the mission to this crew and to us? When you hear that, that the mission to go out and witness to the world is entrusted to you, what troubles rise up in the living room of your life? What doubts rise up in your hearts? As I considered that question this week, I recalled once being a small skinny boy with monkey-like qualities. I would climb this tree in my backyard until I was high enough to see the whole neighborhood until my mom caught me. And I would look out at all my neighbors and think, how many of them didn't know about Jesus and his love for them? And I'd feel troubled because I felt that I really doubted that a small boy like myself could convince anyone. And worse, I often doubted that when I would try and witness that Jesus was actually there with me to help me. But now I'm big. And I still find often that my heart is troubled and my witness is weak. And doubts arise faster than those whack-a-moles that I used to hate on that stupid arcade game. And I'm not alone. A recent poll I just read last week said that 61% of church-attending Christians have not attempted to witness to a single soul in the last six months. And still, Luke's gospel ends with Jesus' call to witness to all nations. And praise God for that, because all includes America. 
And our nation is in desperate need. Jesus has our nation and this community on his list to be reached. And as I meditated on our community, I actually had a song that came to me by the Goo Goo Dolls. I don't want any of you older folks groaning. Yes, your generation has generally more meaningful lyrics, but clearly my generation claims the title for best band names, okay? (laughs) The song Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls begins, and I'd give up forever to touch you, because I know that you feel me somehow. You're the closest to heaven that I've ever been, and I don't want to go home right now. The song's actually was written for a movie called City of Angels. I'm not recommending it, actually. Uh, Nicolas Cage plays an angel who falls in love with Meg Ryan and chooses to stay Earthside. And Johnny Resnick of the Goo Goo Dolls was inspired by what it would be like to love someone so much that you would sacrifice your immortality to be with them. I hear a gospel echo, but it doesn't go gospel. Let's take in the chorus. And I don't want the world to see me because I don't think they'd understand. When everything's made to be broken, I just want you to know who I am. I'll confess that chorus makes my insights groan every time I've actually stopped to ponder it. Such detachment just breaks my heart. For a soul to pull the blankets over their life in hopes of becoming invisible, To be so lonely, to feel like not a single soul in this world could actually get me? Why is that? We heard the reason. When everything's made to be broken. Did you get that line? When everything's made to be broken. Wait, it seems like the record is actually on skip from the generation before. Remember this? Broken cutters, broken saws, broken buckles, broken laws, broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken bodies, broken bones, broken voices on broken phones. Take a deep breath. Feel like you're choking. Everything is broken. Anybody know who that poet is? Bob Dylan. In our world, everything falls apart, including relationships, right? Which explains our loneliness, our shame. (laughs) But then comes that last line from the Goo Goo Dolls. I just want you to know who I am. I watched a concert where Johnny Resnick turns the microphone to the crowd, tells him to take it home, and it brought tears to my eyes watching this massive crowd. Thousands of people pumping fists, screaming out with one voice, I just want you to know who I am. The questions that came to my mind is, who's the you that they want to be known by? Do they even know why their hearts are so restless? Lives longing to be loved, but lost in loneliness. Hardwired for heaven, but hijacked by hell. That's my generation, by the way, now grown up. Many of our family, our friends, our neighbors. It's actually that lady on on her porch, her eyes red as she had a broken voice on the phone, crying as Jamie and I walked by last week apologizing to someone for being such a mess and for always complaining to them about her messed up life. I was wondering if anyone had ever witnessed to her about the immortal Jesus who came down from heaven and out of love entered into our brokenness, became human to touch you and I. 
And even as I say that, I'll confess doubts arise in my heart that she would actually have an ear to hear me. I'll be honest with Jesus, which is actually the best policy because he knows my heart better than myself. Inside me is a battleground between fear and faith all the time. The problem is I haven't fully grasped just how good the news is, which means my emotional response to witnessing is actually not grounded in truth, which makes me glad that God has actually brought me here today to hear my own sermon and to bring you here as well to hear his word because God wants to firm up our faith. And I hope you feel the same because I do believe we're primed for revival, that the harvest out there is plentiful and the best part, Jesus is here in our midst, just like he was with these disciples. So let's look at this text, verses 33 to 37. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. They were talking about these things and Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Our first word today is peace. Jesus provides peace. Though the peace is not initially appropriated when Jesus showed up to offer it, these disciples freak out, thinking Jesus is a ghost. Why? Because this is a really dramatic entrance. Jesus, Luke is telling us that Jesus didn't enter this room like we did through the doors, okay? His entrance was supernatural. He simply appears in the room proclaiming peace to you. And not by putting up two fingers, okay? That's not what he's doing here, saying, peace, bros. No, that's not what's going on here. No, Jesus is providing a peace that is a balm to calm the pensive, fearful, doubting heart. I know that's just what some of us need today. Not simply a peace feeling, but an objective peace that is real, that is palpable. Shalom, that actually relieves the dread inside that we bear due to our guilt and our shame. Like these disciples. Do you remember what they did just prior to this? J.C. Rao writes, They had shamefully forsaken their master and fled. They had broken their promises. They had forgotten their profession to die for their faith. All of them had proved to be backsliders and cowards. But our Lord does not say one word of rebuke. Calmly and quietly, he appears in the middle of them and starts talking about peace. Peace to you. Jesus is amazing. Maybe that you're here and you're a not yet follower, maybe joining us, a not yet follower of Jesus, and you carry a lot of guilt for evil deeds. And if someone asked you to like review your past, you would hear that beep, beep, beep. A great big dump truck backing up, ready to just dump an unbearable load of shame on you. I know that's the case of some of you. Friends, look at these cowardly disciples <laughs> who betrayed and abandoned Jesus in his hour of greatest need. And Jesus says to them, peace for you, peace. And he says to you, come to me and find this peace. Let it be rest for your souls. Friends, there is no such thing as too great a sin, too great a sinner for this Savior. And I've actually had folks argue with me, argue loudly with me that their sins are too great. You know how I answer when they get that way with me? 
If you think so, you're either ignorant or arrogant. You think you can outsend this savior? Get with the peace program or get over your proud person. Jesus is God in the flesh, infinite resources, and he shed his own blood on the cross to cover all our sins. You see, the blood bank of Jesus never runs dry. Never runs dry. The question is, will you open an account? How do we do that, Joel? Faith. Faith is the way we do business with God. You bring all your sin to him, you confess it, and be done with it. And then you believe and receive the blood-bought peace that he freely offers. That's the transaction. That's all it is. Paul says in Romans 5.1, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. You are declared righteous before God, right with him, sinless and shameless, by simply believing, receiving by faith the gift of Jesus' death and resurrection for you. And because you're right with God, no matter what happens in this world, you have forever peace. You're forgiven all your sins, just like these backslider disciples. So let's recite for a final time our verse of the month. It's found at the bottom of your page. Let us say together, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Praise God. We've planted that truth in the soil of our souls, and we can profess that, and we'll be strengthened in our faith in Jesus' resurrection, which is what Jesus wants us to do as we look at our next verses. Verse 38, And he, Jesus, said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieving for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it before them. Our next heading is proof. Proof. Jesus provides proof. Jesus had just declared this greatest of peace, but guess what? They're still all troubled. Doubts are still rising up. So he calls them to put their emotions out on the table because this is a good thing to do. There are a lot of folks who let their emotions rule their lives. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Yeah. But Jesus here is calling us to examine our emotions because emotions are not bad. The motion in emotion tells us it's supposed to move us somewhere. That's what our emotions are supposed to do. God actually gave them as heavenly homing beacons to point us towards Christ, to get us that direction. But sometimes our emotions can get twisted and tangled and lead us to bad places. I won't ask for a witness there. Remember the song? Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he. What that song does, it teaches us to ask questions about our feelings and about the experience of the trials that come our way, to check our longings for heaven in the light of the reality of our constant friend, Jesus. 
And friends, Jesus draws near and makes himself real every time you call him, and it doesn't matter about how you feel about it. Feelings and faith are not the same thing. Now, I know we don't naturally turn outside ourselves. That's not natural, and here's why. Since that day our first parents chose to rebel in Eden, we are by nature self-centered. We turn inward. Our song since Genesis 3 has been, I just want you to know who I am. But that demand doesn't work. Why not? Because it puts us at the center of the universe. And Jesus corrects that right here. There's a chiasm in verses 36 to 43. I won't try to explain that. But basically, Luke puts verse 39 right at the center. It's like he's highlighting and underlining it. And he's focusing on Jesus' words, It is I myself. But in the Greek, Jesus says, Ego eimi. Ego eimi. Okay, which smarty pants here knows what that means? Right, nobody wants to be a smarty pants. That's a bad way to ask a question. Okay, I'll be the smarty pants. It is the divine name of God. I am. As God told Moses back in Genesis or Exodus 3.14, when God said, I am who I am. Luke actually quotes Jesus saying this three times, and all at the end of the gospel. And the last time he did it, was when Jesus was at his trial and he was asked if he was the son of God. And Jesus said in Luke 22, 70, I am. At that point, they knew what he meant and they condemned him for blasphemy. Do you see what Jesus is doing when he says, I am, in this text right here, in this room full of emotionally overwhelmed, doubting disciples? Jesus says, I am. I am God who is with you and for you. And I'm in resurrection flesh. (laughs) Take in the proof of my person. See my nail-pierced hands? See my feet? Touch me. Know I am real. And do you get the reaction? (laughs) Luke says they disbelieved for joy. (laughs) I meditate on that a lot this week. But any of you ever thought of the glorious God being our friend in the flesh, that's just way too good to be true. Way too good to be true. It's such good news. It just makes our minds explode, right? If you try and think about it. We can't take it in like these disciples. Even as Jesus says, Dear one, I just want you to know who I am. I just want you to know who I am. And it's when you know who I am, Jesus says, then you will begin to understand who you are and what you will become when faith becomes sight. Jesus is showing us the resurrection life that we all long for. Yet often we still need more convincing, don't we? (laughs) So Jesus says, hey, Levi, what'd you guys have for dinner? Ah, is a fish fry? Great. Can you go heat up something in the microwave for me? Oh, and, and Matthew, give me the tartar sauce too, okay? And Jesus eats fish. For everyone to see. And you know what? This is not just good news for you fish lovers. It's good news for all of us who love good food, who love the beauty of spring flowers, who love gardening, who love building things, who love to play games, who enjoy our pets. Jesus is providing here proof that when we're raised from the dead, we're going to find heaven to be fantastic. 
know some folks today, the ideas are propagated that life in heaven is some disembodied state where we get wings and head halos, you know, and we walk around on streets of gold and we strum harps while we're floating in the clouds. And if that's what we're called to win people to out there, (laughs) we're sunk. That doesn't excite me, (laughs) not at all. For a billion years playing a harp, I mean, if we're honest, (laughs) if we think... I'm not a good Christian. That doesn't excite me. No, no, because that's not true. Jesus knows we will miss a lot of the good things of this world, and that's what he's doing by eating this fish. Jesus is showing us that while our bodies are going to be changed for the better, I see a few of you excited about getting new suits here, right? Jesus is saying while our spiritual bodies are going to be better than these physical ones, we're not going to just lose all our physical senses. All that is going to happen is we're going to gain additional senses, spiritual abilities, It's going to be glorious, the resurrection life. But we're not going to lose the good things of this world. Rather, they will be made better in the new creation. Now, the Bible doesn't spell out all the details because God loves to give good surprises. So I won't go so far as to say that to you cat lovers that your cats are going to make the cut. But if by God's grace they do, they'll be made so good that Pastor Joel will even love them. Pastor Joel will even love them. I know some of you are disbelieving for joy right now, and that's good. Because that sets the stage for what we're called to do in the light of the good news. Let's look at our last verses here. Verses 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Our third word is proclamation. Jesus prompts us to proclaim. Jesus is about to transfer the mission of God, the kingdom mission, over to these disciples. And so he concludes by giving them yet, once again in Luke 24, another Bible study of the Old Testament showing how the entire Old Testament is about him. And he opens their minds. He opens their minds to understand Scripture. Notice that first Jesus has to open our minds when we come here to our Bibles. Do you see why we pray every single Sunday that Jesus will show up? Because we're not going to understand anything in this Bible that matters apart from Jesus' help. Second, Jesus is showing how everything in Scripture is pointing to his person and his work that he came to fulfill. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's saying, do you truly want to know me? Then you need to know your Bible. You need to know your Bible. Pastor Joel can't know your Bible for you. If you want to know me, you need to know your Bible. That's why Jesus is encouraging you to pray to be in your word and to pray for eyes to see him so that you can marvel over him, discover his goodness and his love. And you'll discover him anew the more you're in the word, expectantly expecting him to show up and show himself. You can imagine these disciples as Jesus opens their minds. I mean, the Old Testament study that they had here, it was like a mystery novel where the answer is finally revealed at the end, right? I mean, you ever wonder, you ever a good mystery novel and you're like wondering who done it, who done it? 
Then you get to the end, you have that aha moment. You're like, ah, it was him all along. And you're amazed. And it's so good you go back and read the book over again in light of what you now know. And you're seeing all these clues that you missed before. And Jesus would have started with Genesis 3.15. After everything was broken, when our first parents disobeyed God and obeyed the serpent, but God gave that promise of the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And Jesus would show that he was that seed. He was also the greater Noah. He was also the seed promised to Abraham, the Passover lamb, the rock in the desert, the better Joshua, the son of David. And Jesus then concludes his study and says, mission accomplished. Now go take my peace out to all the nations. Which means we now have the privilege to proclaim the good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that people can be made right with God. And I know it doesn't seem like privilege sometimes when we get out there. It makes some of us troubled, frightened, doubting right now, myself included, because when I go out there, sometimes I still find I'm just this scared little boy up in a tree. Give me your full attention for five more minutes. We're actually going to skip my last point. I want us to sit in something that God opened my eyes to. And Jesus actually shows us how we're to do it. And you need a pastor who seeks manna from heaven and occasionally gets it so you guys can get some fresh bread as well. If you have a Bible, look up Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. you don't have a Bible, I invite you to do this for your homework for this week. Read over this passage, verses 1 to 12. Actually, I'm going to stop after verse, verse number 9. Now hear God's word from Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Wherever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Did you just get that there? The 72 are to enter houses, proclaim peace, and if received, eat whatever is given to them. Is that deja vu? This is what Luke told us Jesus did in Luke 24. I will leave it to you to discuss that over afternoon coffee. Right before this, Jesus in Luke 9 commissioned the 12 to do the same thing. We all know their names. Why this section now, the very next chapter, this 72? And who are these 72? Only God knows. They didn't make it in the Bible. They're folks like you and I. Though I confess I had to try to get in. Uh, Jesus, will you just please give me a mention 
inspire Luke to put Joel Irvin in there. Just give me a footnote. Oh, and please tell Luke it's Irvin, not Irving or Irwin or Urban like I got in the restaurant the other day. It's Irvin with an I. Please just write. I'll write it down and give it to Jesus. Give it to Luke. No, I didn't get in there, did I? None of these 72 did. That's okay. It is enough to get to do Jesus' work. And here's how we do it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly for laborers for the harvest. Now, I used to think that this just meant pray to God to raise up more pastors, to raise up more church planners. We tend to think from a top-down model. That's not exclusive, no. There's another way. Luke 10 is given after Luke 9 to say, no, there's others who need to go out and there are others out there in these towns you're going to go to in these houses that are simply seeking peace, maybe in that crowd. And they don't even know where to find it. But we do. And that encourages me. There are folks out there looking for Jesus, but they don't know who he is, even as I'm looking for them. Do you remember the joy of when you first believed? (laughs) Was God already at work in your life and heart? I think we need to go back to remember when we first believed and we first had this good news that was just too good to be true and we had to share it with others. And then, after we've meditated on that, we need to be praying. Praying earnestly for eyes to see them. You're to be praying and asking God for eyes to see who it is out there. Who is that person of peace? Who will receive that peace, that son of peace? And step three, be ready to go and declare that peace to them. And if they say, no, that's okay. Move on. That's what Jesus says. But if there's a person of peace there, you remain and share that good news. When you find you are, when you find that person, here's the cool thing. Not only will you bring them the joy of Jesus, but you'll be the catalyst for a whole bunch of other people in their circle because they're the laborer for the harvest. They're the laborers who are going to bring people to Jesus through their witness. This came to me, not actually told this morning, but God reminded me it's on Friday. It didn't dawn on me until this morning because about 15 years ago, I just turned back to Christ and I had the excitement of these Jerusalem disciples. And I was at work sharing the gospel, giving out Bibles. And I went over to a co-worker's house I don't really remember the conversation. All I can say is I didn't get any fish sticks. About six or seven years later, a visitor, a young man, walked up to me at the other church after the service, and he said, hey, you remember me? I said, honestly, I have no clue who you are. And he told me that he was the teenage son of that coworker. And when I visited his dad, I actually planted a seed in his life unknowingly because he went to college shortly afterwards found a campus ministry in a church, and he got saved. He credits me for that. I've only seen him a couple times ever since, and he texted me earlier this last week asking to visit me, and he drove here from Chicago Friday afternoon. He's on fire for God. He's now doing a prison ministry and sharing the gospel with others. We're over there eating fast food, and he suddenly stood up in the aisle and began to do a dance. It was a dance that he was actually teaching prisoners in his anger anger management class. Based on a James verse that I had showed him, actually was a new rhythm by which to do life. 
And I watched his moves as he's quoting this Bible verse. And I thought to myself, this is incredible. <laughs> not the dance. <laughs> no, not the dance in Dairy Queen. That was embarrassing, actually. <laughs> but I was wondering, and actually, I was wondering how this went over in the prison as well. What was incredible to me was that he was a son of peace who found it because of me. And now he's praying and he's sharing with others the good news. There's a whole bunch of other people he's passing the peace on who are going to do it to others. I'm glad Brian came here this morning because that's what he's doing when he takes the gospel to these remote villages five hours down a riverbed to find somebody and he's just looking for one person apiece. Brian can't harvest all of them, but one person apiece in Nicaragua ends up reaching a whole other group. So let's be praying as I conclude and let's be willing to let the Spirit lead us to share the peace of Christ. I know I'm past time. And I didn't get to our last verse or our last point, which is promise, if you want to write that down. So you have to come back for the Luke finale. But I'll leave you this teaser. The promise makes us the most powerful people on the planet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. He is our everything. He is our all. And sometimes it's just too good to be true. I ask and pray that you'll continue to give us the spirit of the risen Christ and continue to, to fan to flame those embers in our hearts of how good this news is. And I ask that you will put it on our hearts to be praying for eyes to see. Give us a new vision system by which we might begin to see those around us who are seeking that peace that you want to provide. You're already at work all around us. Lord, your primary work is not here in the church. Your primary work is out in the world and the church is the instrument by which we are to bring forth that peace to the nation. So I pray that you'll help us here at Heart City. I pray you'll help Brian and his ministry, Lord. And I pray that you'll help all these churches in this area through reaching out with the good news. And I want to see our churches full, Lord. We do. We want to see our churches full. So help us to be a people of prayer and a people of peace, ready to proclaim all that Jesus has done for us. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.